long, I promise. I know that's dangerous words from a preacher, but I promise I will try not to be too long. But I want to turn your attention to uh, some events that started out the week that we are celebrating today in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 29. This happens at the very start of Jesus last week on earth. In verse 29 reads, And it came to pass when he, that being Jesus, was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus you shall say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And I want to preach to you this Easter Sunday, loosed for a purpose. Loosed for a purpose. You may be seated this evening. These verses that we read are the beginning. They are part of the story of Jesus last week on earth. Of course, we are celebrating that resurrection today. But this incident that we read about, it precedes everything that happened. It precedes the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where Jesus rides in on the very colt, the very donkey mentioned in this story. The crowds gather in, the coats are laid on the road, and people begin waving palm branches and crying, Hosanna. Of course, we know that in just a few days, it would be that same crowd that would be yelling for the crucifixion of our Savior just a few days ago. But we find in this story, these few verses, this little side story that there's a few interesting things that we can gather. The story itself is simple enough. It's not a complicated story. Jesus arrives in a village and tells his disciples to go over to the next town and to look for a particular colt. Once they found it, they were to loose it and bring it back to Jesus. And then Jesus gave them some words. If anyone asked what they were doing, he gave them some words to let them know what they were doing. Now, this first part of this story, the first thing I draw your attention to is not really that earth-shattering. In fact, it's pretty obvious, but before this donkey, this colt in the story could do anything, it was tied up, and before anything could happen in its life, it had to be loose before Jesus could use it for his purpose. I want to remind someone this evening that God is still in the loosing and delivering business. God is still looking for people to set free. God is still looking for people to deliver. It wasn't just for back then. It wasn't just for when the scriptures were written. But I believe I'm in the midst of people who know what it's like to be loosed and set free by the power of Jesus' name. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, Jesus stands up in the synagogue one day, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then scripture says he closed the book. He gave the book back to the minister and sat down and everyone just sat and stared at him. Let me just give you a warning. Don't just sit and stare at the preacher. He might get back up 
And that's what Jesus did. He got back up and he had something else to say. And this is what he said to the crowd that was staring at him. He said, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, I believe that on that day, in that synagogue, at that moment, that if someone brave enough would have lifted their hand and said, I need deliverance today, that Jesus would have delivered them on that day because he said, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. But I don't believe that word was just for those people in the synagogue that day. I believe those words were spoken and it Jesus meant from this day and from this day forward all the way to you and I that sit here tonight, that still today you can be set free by the power of Jesus' name, that he is still delivering the captives. He is still bringing sight to the blind. He is still setting at liberty the bruised. And if you are in this place today and you are bruised or you are captive or you are blind, if you have something in your life that you need Jesus to work in, then you are in the right place at the right time because Jesus can still work in your life today. In the book of Corinthians, Paul writes what we know are the works of the flesh. That's what we call them now. And he lists 10 sins, 10 works of the flesh in his letters to the Corinthians. And that always kind of surprises me right there that he only lists 10 things. I think I can come up with a whole lot more, but I think Paul just got tired of writing sins and thought 10 is a good number, but that's just my own opinion. So he writes those down, but then we have the famous words that I'm sure many in here could quote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. And if you have experienced Jesus Christ in your life, this should be the resounding words that echo through you tonight. Paul writes, and such were some of you. Such were some of you that you were lost and without hope. But then here are the words that bring hope to us today. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, I don't know about you, but something begins to happen to me when I remember when he washed me and when he sanctified me and when he justified me that I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm not the same person that I was before, but Jesus changed and transformed my life. Jesus loosed me in my life when I was bound by sin. And I want to tell you this evening, if you are in this place and you have never experienced what it feels like to be washed by the word and by the blood of Jesus, then it's very simple what you need to do. You need to repent for the remission of and forgiveness of your sins. You need to find a place where you ask God and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for everything I've done in my life, whether I knew I was doing it or not. And he will forgive you. He is faithful and true to forgive. And then you need to make a conscious decision that you're not going to live your life the same way. You can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. But I can't just walk out of the doors and believe that God's going to keep me from making a bad decision. You've got to make a conscious choice. And then you need to be baptized in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And if you have never done that in this place tonight, then you can be loose today. You can be set free in this place tonight. You can have your life changed and transformed in an instant and in a moment. second part of this story I find interesting is how Jesus uses his power and his authority. Jesus had all power and he had all authority. Jesus could have done this however he wanted. Jesus could have just muttered under his breath, I want that donkey to show up. 
And you know what would have happened? A few moments later, that colt would have come walking by. Jesus could have just thought it to himself. And then that donkey would have shown up. Just like at Noah's Ark, all the animals showed up at the right time. God could have done this however, Jesus could have, he could have done it however he wanted because he had all power. He had all authority. But even though he had all power and all authority to do it himself, he delegated his power and authority to his disciples. I think we need to realize that once we are loosed, we need to realize and be reminded every so often of what God has given us. That after we are loosed, that we receive a power and an authority in our lives. Jesus tells a parable in Mark chapter 13. He says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. That's you and I. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 9. He said, Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. In Matthew chapter 18, he said, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. The writer Mark closes out his writings with these words of Jesus in Mark chapter 16. He says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the kind of church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of that group of people. I want to be a part of that group that Jesus is speaking to. But I want to remind you that all those words that Jesus spoke, that, that was, that those, all those words were spoken before Jesus was ascended into heaven. That means they were spoken before Acts chapter 2. They were spoken while the disciples did not yet have the Holy Ghost. I hope you realize that there is something powerful inside of you. That Jesus spoke those words to his disciples and they did not have the Holy Ghost inside of them. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I hope you realize that there is a dynamic Holy Ghost power that is inside of you. Come on, I, we, we want to be a part of those verses that I read. But you have something even more powerful inside of you. Jesus gave them authority. He gave them power. But now you have it living inside of you. You have God manifest the flesh who spoke and sent his spirit to dwell inside of you and I. That's what's inside of you when you receive the Holy Ghost, a dynamic Holy Ghost power. In Romans chapter 8, it's a great chapter if you want to read it. But in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul, he's talking about the resurrection and different things. But he says, he prefaces verse 11, he says, If the same Spirit which raised Christ from the dead now dwelleth in you. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. We're celebrating the resurrection today. And that's a powerful day. That's a wonderful day. 
And Paul says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. I think we should celebrate the resurrection. I think we should celebrate what Jesus did. I think we should be grateful for what happened. That that tomb is empty, that it's still empty today. I think we should celebrate that the resurrection did not just end 2,000 years ago, but it still works today. Come on, his resurrection power is still alive. It's still moving. It's still working. It's still setting free. It's still delivering. His power still works today. But I hope you realize what Paul is saying, that the resurrection power doesn't just work in your life today, but it works through your life today. That you are a conduit for his resurrection power. That power that caused Christ to rise from the dead now dwells inside of you. I know it's kind of basic, but let's just consider what the resurrection was. It was causing some, something that was dead to come back to life. Something that was dead to come back to life. That is the power that is inside of you. That there is a power to bring dead things back to life. So what does that mean for you and I? That means when I go to work tomorrow and someone begins to talk to me about their life and the horror of their life and their messed up situation and they're finding everything that's going wrong, that inside of you is the power to bring life to death that you can begin to pray for that person right there and resurrection power begin to flow. Oh, come on. Someone needs to understand what's inside of you, that you have power to speak life into the addicted. You have power to speak hope into the hopeless. You have power to speak restoration into the broken, peace into the fearful, joy into the depressed, love into the abused. You have life-giving power inside of you. Oh, what would happen in this community tomorrow if this group of people right here, it doesn't, I know there's people that aren't here tonight, so we'll include them too, even though they're not at church. Never, we'll leave that alone, Pastor, okay? Maybe they're going somewhere else. Maybe they're resting from the ham. But what would happen if tomorrow this church, this group of believers, they went to work, they went about their business, they went to school, wherever you're going tomorrow, and you suddenly understood, no, I know it's not me. This is not about just myself, but it's the power that's inside of me. And you stepped into your workplace. You stepped into your school. You stepped into your family. And you suddenly realized that I'm stepping into this situation and this circumstance with resurrection power. What could change at your workplace? What could change in this community? That yes, you have power to heal. That you have power to deliver. That you have power to cast out devils. Because you have the power of the Holy Ghost residing inside of you. Oh, I think we need to give God praise right now. Come on, there's something powerful inside of us. Last thing I want to look at is the phrase that Jesus gives to his disciples to tell if someone asks them what they're doing. Now, Jesus understood that probably someone would ask him what they're doing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I put myself in the story, and it changes the story quite a bit. My imagination runs a little wild. 
I've never owned a donkey. I don't plan on owning a donkey. I have no desire to own a donkey. But if I did own a donkey, this is how this story would play out in my head. That I'd be sitting drinking coffee, because you find coffee in Scripture. (laughs) It's the new wine. No, I'm kidding. I'd be sitting in the morning drinking my coffee at a big picture window, and for some reason, it's the worst place, but I've tied my donkey up out by the road. I don't know why I do, but that's where I decide to keep my donkey. So I'm sitting there looking out at my donkey and questioning why I bought a donkey, and two guys walk up and start untying my donkey. Now, even though I'm not sure why I own one or why I have one, I'd still probably get up from my chair, open the door, and at least yell, yell out to them, hey, what are you doing with my donkey? That's mine. So Jesus gives them words to say if someone asks them, what are you doing with this donkey? It's not yours. They were to reply with something very simple. They were simply to say, the Lord hath need of him. Now, most of us know that we need God. In fact, the longer we live for the Lord, the more I think I need him, the more I know I need him. I mean, I look back to the day when I received the Holy Ghost and I thought I needed him. I need him so much more today than I did back then. And most of us are in agreement that we need God. But I want to leave you with this thought tonight, that not only do I need God, but God needs you. God needs you. Is God able to accomplish his will without me? Absolutely. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. God could reach down and just heal everybody in Dothan right now if he wanted to. He could just do anything that he wanted. But from the start of Scripture, God chose to partner with humankind. Jesus set up the church, and he chose to partner with the church. In fact, if I can be more specific, God chose to partner with this church. He chose to partner with this church. We know what this community needs. It needs Jesus. But let me put it even more bluntly, because God has chosen to partner with the church, what this community needs is this church. Because God can reveal himself to everyone, but he chooses to work through the church. So what this community needs is the church. And because of that, God needs you. Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Paul writes, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now those are words in there that we don't typically use, but that word apprehended just means that Paul was stopped in his tracks, that he was arrested one day. He was literally stopped in his tracks on the road to Damascus and a light shone down from heaven and knocked him off his horse and he was arrested by Jesus Christ. Something captured him that day. But Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, I am trying to capture the reason for why Jesus captured me. He said, I am saved for a reason. That I have been loosed for a purpose. That Jesus set me free, but he did not set me free to come a few times a week and sit in a chair. No, God loosed me for a reason, and God loosed me for a purpose. That Jesus has need of me. 
The problem is most of the time when we begin to think about it and God using us is we don't feel like we're good enough. I don't know about you, but I don't ever feel like I'm good enough. Let me tell you, you're in great company then. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, for you see your calling, brethren. Now notice he writes to the whole church and he tells the whole church, see your calling. If you're in the church, you're called. Quit praying, God, have you called me? No, if you're in the church, you're called. There's a reason and there's a purpose for you being in the church. You're called. But he says how the not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now nobody look at your neighbor for the next verses, especially if it's your spouse. He says, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world. He has chosen the weak things. He has chosen the base or the low things of society, the things which are despised. That's who God has chosen. Let me tell you, God chooses and is looking for those that are low, those that are foolish, those that are frail, those that are faulted, those that have been forsaken, who feel like they are despised and rejected by the world. God is looking for those kind of people, and he wants to anoint them. He wants to put his power in them. He wants to work through them. He wants to amaze people around. He wants to astound people around that this person was once lost and in sin and an addict and a drunk but Jesus Christ came and changed them and transformed them and now look what the power of God is doing in them and through them but Paul tells the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 he says from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted. I don't know why you think you're here. I don't know why you think you're part of this church. Maybe you think you just made a choice. Maybe your parents brought you, whatever. I just want to clear up. The only reason that you are here is because God brought you here. You can play it off as anything else, but the only reason you are here is because God brought you to this place. God is building something. It says the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, that God has brought us together. And then it says by that which every joint supplieth. You know, there's someone who wants revival more than anyone else here. It's God. We could put all of our desire together, and it still would not be more than what God desires for this community. God wants revival more than anyone else here. And so God is building something, and he wants revival more than anyone else. So what he is building is to accomplish his will and purpose. He's not going to build a bad house. He's not going to bring in pieces that don't work. The reason you are here is because God saw you and thought you are needed in this church. Come on, I'm trying to encourage you that God wants you here. That the reason that you are here is because God saw something inside of you and said this church needs that. And you need this church. Every joint supplies. 
There's a reason that you are here. God brought you here for a reason and for a purpose. And it doesn't matter if you think it's grand, if you think it's big, if you think it's something small. It does not matter. If I just begin doing what God has called me to do, if I just begin supplying, well, I don't have much to offer. There's not much that I can do. Well, just do what you can do. Just supply what you can. Let me just throw this in that when you have the Holy Ghost, there's not unspiritual endeavors. You're now the temple of God. So when you clean the church, it's spiritual because you have the Holy Ghost. When you change the paper towels in the bathroom, it's spiritual because you have the Holy Ghost. Read the Old Testament and all the things that that God ordained for people to do. If you have the Holy Ghost, then it's spiritual. You are part of the kingdom. If If you straighten the chairs, then it's spiritual. Just do what God has asked you to do. But I want you to notice something. That last phrase, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I'm all for evangelism. I'm all for doing whatever we can to reach whoever we can, however we can. I'm not against evangelism. But I want you to notice, Paul gives a blueprint for reaching your community. He says, if everybody will do their part, if every joint will supply, the body will naturally increase. It will naturally grow. Well, I just don't know. Well, what would happen to this church? What would happen to this community if every person in here just decided, I'm going to do what I can do? It doesn't matter how big or how small. I'm just going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to pray for who God has called me to pray for. I'm going to teach a Bible study. I'm going to teach a Sunday school class. Let me tell you what that looks like. That looks like God starts working out there. And people start walking through the doors of this church that nobody's talked to, that nobody's witnessed to. But this, the body increases itself. The altars are full. <laughs> oh, I know we don't like to talk about it. We were, the church we were in was just getting ready to build a new sanctuary. <laughs> and what a great facility you have here. But if we all start doing what we're supposed to do, maybe this facility can't house what God wants to do. Maybe before long, we don't have room. And what we just thought was big enough, because God has bigger plans than anything we could imagine. God wants to do so much more than anything we could imagine. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Oh, come on, this community needs what you have. This church needs what you have. God has loosed you for a purpose. God has loosed you for a reason. As I close this evening, roughly 500 years before the verses that we read at the start, the prophet Zechariah prophesied that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem, the Messiah would ride in on a colt. Because for Jesus to be who he said he was, the Son of God, Jesus had to fulfill every prophecy. He couldn't pick and choose. He had to fulfill every one to be who he said he was. So because of that, Jesus had to ride in on a colt. He had no choice. 
He couldn't have found a horse. He couldn't have found a large dog. He couldn't have asked his disciples to, you know, put their hands together and carry him in. The only way he could enter Jerusalem was on a donkey, on a colt. Nothing else could happen till that colt showed up. If, Je- if that colt didn't show up, Jesus couldn't ride into Jerusalem. If he didn't ride into Jerusalem, there would be no crowds. There would be no crucifixion. There would be no resurrection. There would be no ascension. There would be no Acts chapter 2. There would be no you and I sitting here today because of one cult. And that cult did nothing special. Nothing. It wasn't a tap dancing donkey that went before Jesus and everyone was like, ooh, look at that tap dancing donkey going before Jesus. It didn't levitate. It didn't do anything special. In fact, if you read the story, nobody makes any comment about the donkey because nobody was shocked that a colt was carrying someone. No one was shocked that a man was riding a donkey because that's what it was supposed to do. It's doing nothing special. But all of history, every prophecy was waiting for that one colt to just do what it was supposed to do. I don't know what is in the soil of this church. I don't know every prophecy, every word that's been spoken in this church. I have no idea. But I know there are. I don't know everything that God has spoken to Brother Harrelson or Brother Patterson or other people in this place about what God wants to do. But could it be Could it be that if one person simply does what God is asking them to do, God, it's no big deal. It's just going and praying for a co-worker. It's just teaching a Bible study. It's it's just reaching out. It's just something simple, something well within the realm of possibility that I could do, just like that cult. But who knows? Who knows what prophecies, what fulfillment is waiting for one person to simply say, Lord, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Just one person, just one donkey carrying Jesus in and all of a sudden prophecy after prophecy, fulfillment after fulfillment start coming to pass. Who knows? It's just something small. It's just something little. But when I suddenly begin doing what God has asked me to do, who knows what will happen? Who knows what revival may break out? Prayers that people have prayed for years with no answer seeming to happen. But one person steps out and says, God, I'm just going to do the little that you have asked me to do. 
And all of a sudden, prayers that have been prayed for years, that seem long gone, that seem impossible even to come to pass, all of a sudden, God starts answering prayers, and God starts moving, and God starts working, and souls start coming to an altar, and people are set free and delivered because one person just did what God asked them to do. Oh, as we stand all over this place. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I feel over the last couple years, I know we've had everything else going on, but I think there's something more taking place than what we see in the natural. I think there's something spiritual happening. I think there's a spiritual stirring. And I think we've been traveling all across the United States. And everywhere we go, there's people that are saying, I just don't know. There's something. I don't know what it is. Let me identify it for you. It's not what's taking place in the natural, what you see on the news. It is God calling his people. It is God stirring his people. And if we would simply respond as his people, he has loosed you for a purpose. He has saved you for a reason. And if I would simply step out and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever. God, I'm thankful for salvation, but I'm not going to be satisfied until I've done everything that you have called me to do. Oh, there's no telling what God would do in this church. There's no telling what God would do next Sunday. There's no telling what God would do in your prayer life and at your work and at your school. Oh, that's it. Come on, as people come all over this place, we open this altar this this evening to simply say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever. God, I'm thankful for your salvation. But God, you have loosed me for a purpose. And God, I'm willing to do whatever you have called me to do. Lord, I don't even know what it is right now, maybe. But God, I'm praying that you would open my eyes to see. You would let me see. And Lord, I want your resurrection power to work in me. I want it to work through me. I want to speak life into somebody. 